Hello, and welcome to CAA Podcast. My name is Tasha Lewis, and this is the second section of my conversation with Brendan Tang and Andrew Potter about decolonizing the curriculum and reconsidering new methods of assessment. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Yeah, it's such, it's so interesting, like tossing around these ideas and then also like struggling, just sort of struggling with like our own education and how we were all came through the system. It's just like such, such a shift. And it's, it's exciting to be on the sort of front line of this sort of greater discussion, but also feels sort of really daunting and awkward and, and and janky and stuff like that. And I think, you know, like some of these things that we're kind of talking about is like student-led learning. These are initiatives that have been around for ever and a day. And now we're kind of opening that up and it's sort of really unpacking what that means and, and mm -hmm. including not a specific student. Cause I think with student-led learning back in the day when it was probably, they were talking about like white middle-class or upper-class kids, probably males, but now it's kind of like an, a diversity of people that you're talking about. And mm -hmm. how do we reach them? Um, I mean, you know. I think, yeah, I, I think it is interesting the extent to which so much of what we're, what are kind of buzzwords and everything have been around for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. this is not, and there's a, and, and, and part, and so it's on the one hand, very exciting that there seems to be way more global discussion mm -hmm. than uh 25 years ago i mean like i said i think i was very lucky to grow up where i did which was berkeley california i think i had an absolutely amazing high school education well yeah. even grade school education like before i ever got to university i had amazing education that was not typical yeah. um and that I've kind of spent the rest of my life kind of being like, wait, are we, we, didn't we already have this discussion? <laughs> like, are we still having this discussion? Like really? Yeah. So on the one hand, it's very exciting that there does seem to be a kind of surge mm -hmm. um, very much in response to uh, Black Lives Matter and like the truth and reconciliation and some of the coming out of uh, all of the, reality that's led up to that um but i think it still feels very much like lip service so there's a lot of discussion i don't mm -hmm. think we see the support mm -hmm. from administrations for it so i think that on the one hand it's super exciting on the other hand you're kind of like gosh there's still a lot of work that and we still seem to be like, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like some of us are like so ready. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've been so ready for so long, right? And it's like, yeah. oh, now we're like, I don't know, can we take this baby step? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like there, it's so much of the small stuff, but it's like, you know, the higher ups that are in control, it's always been like, they've always been reactionary. They've never been visionary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's like the grunt work that the adjuncts and the sessionals are doing in the agency. And then when there's sort of cracks in the armor, when someone decides to retire and then perhaps the institution gets called out on, you know, like, especially during the black lives matter uh, actions and during COVID, I think globally we're, we're taking a pause from being on the capitalist rat race. And we're just like, this is not okay. Yeah. 
I think also a part of what you're saying is like, you know, what, what can we do? I think contingent faculty, adjunct faculty, sessional mm. faculty, right? In some ways we're in this precarious space, right? Where yeah. we can be unemployed one semester to the next or have fewer courses. And, and in some ways, honestly, for myself, I've found kind of a freedom from the bureaucracy. Like maybe that's mm -hmm. why I'm implementing this um, completely novel system. You know, my department head thought it was cool. She was like, yeah. great, pursue this. Um, yeah. And so, you know, how do we have a system where the most, you know, the biggest innovators are the most at risk, mm -hmm. you know, least invested in and least able to, you know, to in implement wider change if not mm -hmm. through like what we're doing, these community forums and trying to amplify that. Um, it's yeah. it's funny, sorry to interrupt you, but it's kind no, of please. funny. Like I like your approach to ungrading mm -hmm. uh, from the sessional or adjunct sort of perspective, but I've also heard of the ungrading from the adjunct and, um, and sessional perspective where they're just like, I don't know if I'm going to get hired. And it seems like I'm getting reviewed at the end of the semester. So everybody gets an A kind of ungrading. You know what I mean? It's like, it's still, it's there like, can be rigor in, yeah. in something that actually is sort of anti, anti-labor, right? It's like, yeah. in some ways I front, I front load a lot of work, but I yeah. give myself my time back, right? Yeah. Like I, I can implement way more individual attention to my students because mm -hmm. I'm not sitting there ranking their teapots you know yeah. I think that in some ways there's a yeah there's like a bad rap and it comes I think all the way back to the beginning of our conversation about how assessment is a way to justify our parity with the sciences that mm -hmm. you know we think that if you have no grades then there is no discipline there is no practice there mm -hmm. is you know but I think what we've talked to talked around this whole conversation is you know you know, assessment's not the point. Learning is the point. Community mm -hmm. is the point. Um, I think honestly, it, you know, with our students post COVID, like tactility, physical, tangible, like yeah. embodiment is the, is part of, I see that as a goal, my goal as a ceramics educator yeah. now. Community because, is the point. Yeah. There, yeah, there's so many things that we should be prioritizing, I guess. And I think we're, yeah, trying to find ways to refound that as as the as the base of our classroom work. I do still think it's uh it's exciting to see I hope it's not just lip service. I think you know it what we mm -hmm. write about and what we read about and what we like honor in academia mm -hmm. is very different from how we manage our institutions. Mm -hmm. That's what I find so confusing. So I'm like we lionize the people who are coming up with these really progressive, seeing the way that things are interacting and deconstructing that. And then we don't apply it in our administration. And if there's anywhere that I feel like we could, it's art school. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. We're the ones that could do it. <laughs> Yeah. And I, you know, like, I do think there is possibly those, the room to experiment. It's always really so funny, like, I'm listening to you talk about these sorts of ideas and where, like, these bigger ideas about um, breaking down hierarchies and, and refocusing things on the students and all of that sort of stuff. It's like, you know, like, even switching from, like, ideas of connoisseurship 
into sort of more mm-hmm. philosophical ideas, like those didn't come from the visual arts. Like if anything, we are the late, late to the party on most of those sort of <laughs> sort of groundbreaking critical thinking ideas, even though we tout that we're like the most avant-garde, you know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. think there is something that's really funny about, about some of those things. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, I think it's just like keeping an eye on other fields and other places and stuff like that. And do you mean that modes. things are growing more at, like I'm kind of curious for if you have a specific example in mind because I'm trying to think through a specific example yeah like uh, I think, yeah like I'm thinking like of these ideas around grading and and how we approach the students and stuff like that and self-assessment and as being one of those modalities and that's like already happening at the BC high school level like right they are already doing that and we at the university are like our deans are hanging on to grades. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's true. I, I guess I definitely see in my lifetime that education, the culture of education as a whole has shifted a lot and, mm-hmm. and some of it in very frustrating ways, but some of it in great ways, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Things that were cutting edge when we were in high school are now becoming like integrated. And mm-hmm. granted, like I said, I think I grew up in an in a place that was very cutting edge and very community (laughs) focused and very like, and I had a lot of experience in social work before I was really fully engaged in an art career. And that was, that was quite educational. That's where I'm kind of like, wait, this isn't new. Like this has been the, the philosophy of like working, you know, quote unquote, empowering young people this mm-hmm. is what people have been doing since the 80s <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know at least uh that has to do with you know just trying to um like you're saying provide agency have people feel motivated um kind of tap into intrinsic leadership qualities mm-hmm. um and those are all standard like philosophy of um of like social work with young people that Mm -hmm. I think has been very well uh and increasingly adapted into uh, primary and secondary education it's so funny I'm like listening to this and I'm thinking are we just like are we just trying to shoot for the Waldorf model the Waldorf (laughs) model well we're trying to work with an old model but we're trying to rebuild it in a way that's really going to be more productive for people this is the most insane (laughs) version of jenga i have ever heard of (laughs) well because the old model is you know the starving artist is you know the trauma makes art model right i think we can all agree that yeah you know my students make more ceramics when they want to be in the ceramics classroom and i think that's true of painters you know painters who don't have good ventilation and are all breathing fumes and feel terrible are not making more better paintings than mm-hmm. painters. Who not, you know, I think that, you know, going back to the issues with the pre-existing condition within art schools. And I think, again, because of our experience or maybe our professor's experience, there has always been this outside pressure for artists to go through some kind of you know, cathartic and or traumatic um, Mm -hmm. trajectory. And it just feels so outdated, again, for all of us to feel like we have to now impose that on our students who are, you know, 19 years old. And maybe that's not going to get the best response. 
<laughs> I don't feel like we have to impose that. Many, most of my <laughs> students come, come with trauma already. <laughs> That's true, true. So we're really yeah, trying yeah, to unlearn. To we, ha- we do have to try to, we do have to try to not exacerbate it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> In a system that is designed to exacerbate that. that yeah. Those no, issues. And I have had you know, I have had some success in that with some students who have struggled with a lot. I've had obviously lots of students who struggle with mental health issues, lots of students mm-hmm. struggle with physical health issues, mm-hmm. both of which make it difficult for them to mesh with the education system. And some of the things like that, you know, I'm basically totally flexible about deadlines. And I'm kind of like, we have a hard deadline at the end of the semester because I have to turn grades in. Yes. Yeah. But other than that, if you need more time to do this thing or whatever. And I have had students who really, really needed that, yeah. right? Because to, to hold them to making things all along the semester, according to a certain schedule would have just been, they would not have passed the class. And instead they made decent work and were able to pass the class. Mm -hmm. right and it's not because they didn't do the work they did the work right again we're saying it's not about I I think I'm pretty rigorous (laughs) I sometimes think I'm not (laughs) if anything I think I err on the wrong side of that but um yeah and that and and also you know I was having this conversation with a friend about the question of accommodations and we do have quite a lot of uh quote-unquote accommodations I don't think we should even be thinking about it that way um, Mm -hmm. because it still maintains the idea that there's a kind of normal uh, model that people should be able to follow. And then some people need like quote quote unquote extra help or something Mm -hmm. to be able to accomplish that. Um, I had a student who was on the autism spectrum. And so one of the accommodations that they had or supports that they would get is they would have a text to speech reader Mm-hmm. um or yeah whatever it's called that would so that if there were ever readings they could listen yeah and I was so happy that they told me about this they told me about it because of course the semester they were doing it they weren't getting the software because there was mm-hmm. a delay and blah 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 so uh but after that I just started making audio recordings of the readings in my classes and at least half the students were using them yeah and they're yeah. not like all on the autism spectrum or they maybe are all on that but like who cares right the point yeah. is for at least half the students having an audio recording is a better thing yes and I, I love that idea and I remember like I've been doing that where I will get like text or documents scanned in as pdfs and then they can use their own text-to-speech like they can get Siri to read it or Alexa to read it for them and yeah. um and you know I than they used to be yeah, like I, now, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty decent now. But yeah, it's like I think those those modes of working, like think I I 100 agree with you. Is don't think of the accommodations as just singular for that one student. This is this should be open to everybody as a way of working. And uh, it 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 feels like the like not that my my former teachers didn't care, but I feel like teachers today lead more with care in mind 
you know what I mean, about yeah. where that student's coming from, both emotionally, physically, historically, wherever, and, and just be, and also thinking about where, what that student's journey is. It's not like, does your journey mirror, mirror mine? Then that's, you know, check you know, kind of thing. But now it's just like, okay, well, let's see where that development is going. And is this, you know, their own progress or whatever. So it, it's, it feels, it feels a little bit different in that regard. I also think that when like what you guys are talking about applying something for an individual to the group and realizing, oh, wow, the whole group actually benefits from this. Right. There's mm -hmm. I think there's this idea that students are, you know, comparing themselves to other students in the course. And I think yeah. when you adopt this ungrading strategy or, or any of the things we're discussing, it it actually results in way more peer to peer respect and way more mm -hmm. learning. Right. There's mm -hmm. no sort of top-down hierarchy, there's no competition. And and again, yeah, these accommodations are things that maybe all of our students need and can benefit from. And why, you know, why would we approach it as like, um, as like a problem to solve? It's like, actually these solutions are, you know, really helpful to the community and, and everyone is, is buoyed up by mm -hmm. being more flexible, more, you know, nobody's like mad at that one student for taking the rest of the, you know, more time. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that we perceive that that might be an issue, but actually I think it just allows all of our students to get to the end, get to where they want to do, you know, make what they want to make. And if, you know, if there's anything that, you know, our classes are about is just getting them making, mm -hmm. getting them engaged. 100%. Yeah. I mean, to me, it kind of comes out of like a general ethic of like, you are going to learn the most by listening to the minoritized voice. Mm -hmm. You're going to yeah. learn the most about what's going on what's not working, what can be improved, where the weaknesses are, and um, and then you're going to see that that's actually the majority of people. <laughs> I feel like that's so true. Yeah. yeah. And we're actually at the end of time. So I'm going to just say thank you both for being here, for having this conversation, and um, just keep making mm -hmm. that change. Thank you for listening to CAA Conversations. I'm Tasha Lewis, and I was speaking with Brendan Tang and Andrew Potter. If you have any questions or comments about our conversation, please feel free to reach out. I look forward to hearing from you.